Welcome to CTU Speaks, episode 11. Is it time to ratify? Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher. Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher. So I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teacher. I'm Jim Starles, teacher at King College Prep. I'm Andrea Parker, teacher at Robert Fulton Elementary. And we're back here at CTU's uh, international headquarters here, talking on our podcast, Studio 350 about our tentative agreement that's coming up for ratification. Are we going to ratify? We got about 10 days, Jim. I know. That's not that long. What is your thinking? I'm thinking that there's a lot of stuff we want in this contract, and we talked about it on the last episode. There are no losses in this contract, so we didn't lose anything. We got a lot of stuff. Even stuff we wasn't... That's right. That we uh, couldn't strike over. Exactly. Stuff we could, weren't supposed to be able to strike over, but we did. Yeah. Well, we didn't really strike over it, but we bargained for That's it. That's true. We bargained for we it. We bargained for that's it. That's what we did. And we got a bargain. Yep. That'll to like a that degree. We said that. Yes, that's true. And we even got a call last time from Bernie Sanders telling us what a great job we did. I mean, the whole world. The whole, the whole world The whole knows world about is watching exactly. Chicago Teachers Union. Yep. So I just want to encourage all those who listen. If you are a teacher in the uh, C- a CPS teacher, you should be a card carrying member of the Chicago Teachers Union. You are doing a good job. People are watching you. You are part of a great and powerful union. And we're, and we're as teachers here, we're inspiring people around the around the country and around the world. The world, people we, from Canada, Canada, from us. Ontario. Yes, wanted to talk. Miss Parker was interviewed by this group up in Ontario, thinking of going on strike, wanting to get some advice about how they, we did it here, so we can help them out. Yeah, we're trailblazers. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's how we roll. We're Chicago teachers. Uh, we also have some very important guests we're going to interview today. We're going to be interviewing two bargaining team members, Quentin Washington and Kirsten Roberts. They um, have sacrificed a lot of time being on the bargaining team, sometimes 16-hour days, just to make sure that we have the best contract possible. And these are also educators in the classroom. So they are not just... Bargain was not their full-time job. They're not workers at CTU. They were full-time teachers who sacrificed their time and not to be in front of their students to be bargaining to make sure that we had the best contract possible. And we are joined with some awesome bargaining members who just bargain our tentative contract. Mm -hmm. We are joined first with Quentin Washington and Kirsten Roberts. We're going to let them introduce themselves and and they're going to talk to us about how they got on the bargaining team. What was it like being on the bargaining team and how we got this tentative agreement that we may or may not ratify within the next 10 days. So, Quentin, we can start with you. I'm Quentin Washington. I am... uh, the delegate from Setlowski Elementary School. Um, I also sit on the executive board of the union, and um, I got on the bargaining team a little later in the game, or in the process, I should say. Um, but it's been very, very informative. It's been very rewarding. It's been very time-consuming. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, but it's it was an awesome experience. Uh, it's It gives you a different perspective about bargaining and negotiations when you're in the room as everything is happening yes. in real time. In the room where it happens, at Hamilton's song again. Look at you always singing Hamilton. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm a fan. I know. All right, Kirsten? Hi, uh, yeah. I'm a preschool teacher. I work at Brentano Elementary in Logan Square neighborhood. 
I am also the uh, one of the co-chairs of the Early Childhood Committee for the Chicago Teachers Union. And I think they wanted some people who knew a little bit more about the world of early childhood and preschool because... It's definitely a world. It's, it's a, a world, world unto yeah. itself. Absolutely. <laughs> it's all entity. So I was invited onto the um, bargaining uh, team to help bring some of that expertise and yeah, it's been, um, I feel incredibly privileged to have been in those spaces and to be able to help to bring some of the issues that are impacting the students that I teach, some of the families that I teach, some of the teachers that I teach with, um, to bring some of those issues to the table and to try and figure out how to address those in the contract. So yeah, it was a good experience, even though it was um Tiring at times, of course. Like now, this was both of you all's first time on the bargaining team. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, I was on the bargaining team in 2016. Okay. okay, all right. So, what was the difference between bargaining before we went on strike and during the strike? A oh, great question. Um, so, from my perspective, before we went on strike, I felt that the board and their negotiators spent a lot more time asking questions of rank and file teachers and clinicians and PSRPs. I almost felt that they were trying to get their talking points ready. Um, They asked great questions. They often would express sympathy with some of the difficulties that we were telling them about. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. They took really close notes. And then you would talk to them and nothing would move. Mm. There would be no articles discussed. There would be no actual movement at the table. Just talk and talk and talk. And this went on for months. And our talking points. So when did you join bargaining? Because I know we've been bargaining since January. Were you on initially in January as well? Okay. Okay. Yes. And then eventually some of our talking points, the things we were bringing to the table, the need for a nurse in a school every day, the need for smaller class sizes, the need for more adults in the buildings, support staff, um, those things started coming through in some of the things we were hearing from the board. They just didn't want to put any of those things in writing. Mm-hmm. So that was frustrating, to be honest with you. And then it really changed. Maybe Quentin can talk about what it was like once the strike began, because it took on a very different tenor and a different feel. Yes. Um, yeah. Like once the strike began, um, their posture, in my opinion, changed. Okay. Um, but I do think they did start making some movement at that point. I mean, for all practical purposes, they had ignored us for 10 months. <laughs> and once we actually were in the streets, then it's like, okay, we hear you. So let's start trying to assist. But even with that, it's like they give a little bit and then they take something back. And it was like a tug of war, if you will. Okay. Um, I don't know what some of their logic is, of course. I mean, I don't work downtown, so I could never think <laughs> like they do. But um, but I do think that we started getting more done. We got more done in the first two days of the strike than we did out of 10 months of negotiations. Wow. That's crazy. You know, so, 
that that speaks to, I guess, their level of thinking. So, okay. So prior to the strike, you guys are at bargaining and you're there for hours. And you said the, the, uh, Kirsten, that they expressed some sympathy for our situation, our plight, if you will. And then, then they don't do anything. Like, so what, what does it look like? You're just sitting there looking at each other. Like, I don't, I don't understand what are they doing if they're not there to actually bargain. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say 90% of the time, does that sound right, Quentin? Mm-hmm. 90% of the time we were in a room by ourselves and mm-hmm. they were in a room by themselves. Mm. And yeah, <laughs> and that's called Sorry. caucusing. And uh, we, a lot of that time was, especially earlier on in the strike, was really well spent because we were honing our demands. We were really looking closely at language. Um, As time wore on and we had gotten our language in order, it became more and more frustrating time because they would be in a room We'd be in our room. They would call certain groups. So if you were on the class size committee or if you were on the special ed committee and you were a specialist in those areas and in those articles, you would go with our table team, which is our elected leadership, and you would go with our lawyers and talk to them and go back and forth. Um, that there was a point at which um, after a few days they gave us into some of our demands. They put in writing some of the stuff around staffing and class size, and then it just stopped. Nothing moved for days and days. Nothing moved. And that was very, very frustrating. That was frustrating because we knew what was happening to our kids and our families. And we knew every day out on strike was a day that we were missing pay and that we had to go downtown and we had to hit the picket lines. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And for every day that we were on strike, it was also a day of instruction that was lost for our students. Right. And I know all of the, most of the teachers I talked to, that was one of the main concerns. Like, we're here because we're doing this. We we love our kids, but we love and we love our classrooms, but we need to get out here and make this point that what you're doing is not acceptable and we're not going to continue doing what you want us to do until you do what we need you to do. Yeah. One of the things that's really frustrating, I was, um, I'm a teacher down at King and Lori Lightfoot was speaking down at Kennecott park, which is just behind the high school. And she had said while she was there that a lot of this work could have been done sooner and that the real bargaining didn't begin until after the strike. She said that might've been a mistake then the weird thing was right after that, she said, but she wouldn't have changed anything. Like, how do you say you made a mistake, but I wouldn't change anything? That's weird. Like, you know, right. it'd be like me giving a test back to the kids. Like, oh, you make corrections. I'm like, no, nah, I like those answers. Like, <laughs> but they, they were, they were wrong. Yeah, well, what do you do? Right. right. That's, that's kind of crazy. And I don't really yeah. understand it, but um, now you guys are both uh, one of the two of the couple things, I guess, two of the things that people are either confused about or a little bothered by on the tentative agreement are the prep time. And mm-hmm. class size. Mm-hmm. I think the class size thing, it's still somewhat confusing to people sometimes how that works. Mm-hmm. And then the prep time, I know at my school, even though we're a high school, um, when we went, when I went back to the line to talk about the, uh, the tentative agreement um, and whether we should stay out on strike, 
the only thing my uh, faculty were really concerned with was the prep time for elementary school teachers. Mm-hmm. And they even said, we're willing to do whatever the elementary school teachers think we should do, which I thought was awesome. Yes, I was very proud of my, awesome. my, my group. They were, they were great. And then at the HOD, there were so many people that got up and said, we're a high school, but we're going to stand with our elementary school teachers. Cause mm-hmm. you get like, you know, 12 seconds of prep a day. It's, it's just crazy. I don't right. know. And you got to <laughs> teach like, like 500 classes to different levels, different groups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, but I thought, you know, maybe you guys could talk about that. Cause that seems like where your expertise lies in those areas a little bit. Well, I know with the prep time, um, we knew that it was going to be a difficult hill to climb. Um, a lot of the things that we discussed over the course of the negotiations dealt with uh, things that we knew were things that our schools deserved and our students deserve. Right. But one of the things about prep time is that is first of all, it's difficult to explain to parents. It's it difficult to explain true. to the general public. They don't understand it. Right. But more importantly, it's one of those things that uh, ideologically the the board was opposed to doing because, first of all, they didn't want to pay for it. Right. Of course. Which would have meant we would have had to extend the school day by 30 minutes, uh, which even some of our members did not want to do. Um, and so and more importantly, though, the board didn't want to pay for it. And um, then the other thing would have been to remove 30 minutes from the day, instructional from the instructional day. And the board was absolutely against that. And so we gave them models. We gave them examples of how it could be done. Uh, and they were like a no, absolutely not. No, 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 no. And so at a certain point, um, we realized that that was going to be a bigger fight for a different day, day. for a different time, because, right. you know, considering all that we've gained so far, right. the, to risk that for the 30 minute prep was just didn't seem like a, a wise decision to make at that time. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, Quentin, because a lot of people don't understand what prep time is. My students asked me that. They was like, I heard about prep time. What does that mean? They, they even saw it on the mm-hmm. news. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to articulate what that meant. And so I was just saying, we come to school, you know, before in times past, we would come to school a half hour at least earlier to right. prep for our time. And I said, and we got paid for it. I said, now we still come early because we, because you know, we, because my school starts at eight o'clock. I said, what time do you all come to school? They said eight. I said, said, I said, what time I'm supposed to be here? They're like seven thirty. I'm like, no, I'll come. I start the same time you do, but it wouldn't be the in the best interest to come at eight o'clock because I cannot plan properly. I still right. come early. Right. I just don't get paid for it. It's right. like really, you don't get paid to come early. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> so um, I like we used to. Right. We used to be able to come, but they took that from us. And that's how the school day got lengthened. But I think a lot of people don't understand that right. we had a 30-minute prep time in right. the morning. Right. And it was taken away from us through mm. our previous yeah. mayor. Thanks, right. Mom. And yeah. the other thing that they forget and, and that we even brought up to the board is that while we have a longer school day, it's not longer instructional time. Right. Our extended school day essentially was to add lunch and, and recess, recess. That's it. and a 15 minute breakfast in the morning. Don't forget breakfast in the classroom. In the classroom. And that's, and that's when that began and I, as well. Did you well. all talk about that? Like, cause you know, we used to have breakfast before school started. Yes. Cause I cannot stand breakfast in the classroom. Yes. Cause they always spill the milk. It's, it's, it's a house. So it's another lunchroom. You gotta, and right. they don't, 
prepared properly to clean up. They don't really right. clean right. up that mess. So I'm like, at least let let breakfast be before school and right. at least have a 15 minute prep in right. the morning. Right. They were that concerned we proposed that, that too. And they said yeah. no. Wow. <laughs> it was all of, there were so many scenarios given that they just were unequivocal. Because like, that's no. biased because high school don't eat breakfast in the classroom, I'm sure. No. So why do grammar school students got to eat breakfast in the class? I feel like they, right. they had it before school. So if you really wanted breakfast, and in my school, a lot of our students don't even eat the breakfast yeah. in the morning when they come in. They've Likewise. eaten before they got there. Yeah, so. because it's used as like a little bar or apple. It's not even really a... It's not nice. usually a healthy breakfast. No, it's, no, it's like not. really high in what? sugar it's and not a healthy CPS and... breakfast. What? <laughs> and a Surprise. lot of syrup. <laughs> well, syrup makes everything good. Um, well, one thing I, I would just want to say about prep is that I'm not giving up that fight. We well, may not, not have gotten it in this contract, but I need it. And so one of the things I'm trying to think about is what kind of pressure we can put on the school board around our calendar and around our school day. That's true. Right. And right. I think part of it is explaining to parents and and getting parents to be on our side yes. to see that effective instruction requires uh, planning and yeah. collaboration time. And I can't tell you how many times I'll have to do my collaboration over my own lunch break, I give up my lunch break Absolutely. to talk to right, clinicians right. about children with IEPs. Right. Yep. That is not adequate and no. it's not it's not acceptable. No, so we got to keep fighting for this one. We got a tentative agreement. What was the point where you all said, hey, even though we don't got we don't have the prep time, but it was so many other issues in the contract. I mean, the con that that agreement was is long. And so we was looking at all those points. We went back, a lot of Douglas went back to their school, talked to their members. What happened on Wednesday to say, hey, it's time to have another House of Delegates meeting. We need to bring this back to our members or our delegates to say, we need to make, we either vote yay or nail this tentative agreement. What what made you all say, hey, it's time? We had had the first House of Delegates meeting the night before, and we had gone over that progress that we had made. We came back in Wednesday morning, really hoping that there would be more progress at the table. We were there quite early that morning, ready to go. The board did not come in until 10. Jesse and Stacy and the lawyers went and did a quick meeting with them just to find out what the schedule would be. They came back and told us, wow, it really seems like the board has shut down. They are done. And that was, you know, disappointing to hear. Yeah. They, then, they then went back in, the table team went back in, came back maybe an hour or two later and said they have shut down bargaining we did win. Uh, we held them off from taking away our grading autonomy and right. taking away our autonomy over assessment in the building. And they had really wanted that. They had yeah. brought it up repeatedly yeah. all during the prior two weeks that that was something they were holding firm to. So we saw that as, as progress but their team started packing up. And so we started assessing and deciding what our assessment was. I think that, you know, there was a sense from the people who had done most of the direct negotiations that we had probably hit a brick wall and gone about as far as we were going to go in this particular contract right. negotiation. We had some big wins. I think 
even though I know people looked at those class size numbers and felt great disappointment um, that we were not able to win our initial class size demands that we had written last January, the fact is for the first week of our strike, they only put about $15 million on the table to solve mm-hmm. class size. Right. The next, after the next um, maybe two or three days, they put another $10 million on the table. And it wasn't until that Tuesday of the first House of Delegates meeting that they came up to $35 million, mm-hmm. which we, right. which when we looked at the number and broke it down, we saw that a really significant number of our oversized classrooms were going to get relief right. uh, from $35 million a year. It's a sevenfold increase, right. I believe, in yeah. what yes. we had previously. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, fivefold increase, right. yeah, in what we had previously. Well, I think that's really important because, you know, without bargaining, they came in with, you said, what, a $10 million figure to begin with? And so, you know, they 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 more than tripled that number because of our pushing at the bargaining table. Yes. And it's sort of at a certain point, like uh, Quentin had said earlier, it's a risk versus reward type of situation. Right. And, you know, we could have asked for $200 million for that. And I don't know, maybe we need that. But it's really important. We've never had enforceable class sizes. And the other important thing is they didn't have to give us anything on that legally. Right. So we got this concession through bargaining over stuff and forcing their hand. And we did. We didn't get as much as we should probably have. And again, we never get what we deserve or what the kids deserve. But we do get sometimes what we're fighting for. Right. And uh, this is it's a really important idea that, you know, that we have to figure out at a certain point, what are we risking versus what is the potential payoff for this? Right. Uh, One of the other things, too, that was a significant game game changer was they offered veteran pay. Yes. Mm -hmm. That was the other piece. And it's like. Okay, so, and people say, well, we, it's veteran pay, it's $5 million a five year. Million, it's $5 yeah. million dollars a year more than what we had. That's right. And, there, and what it does is it gives us a platform to build upon later. It's true. Especially, you know, depending on how it's laid out, I think it's going to be stretched out over several more steps. And so for people that are mid career range, like I am, I'm frozen. Me too. <laughs> so, Me too. Yeah. Froze. So. This this kind of moves things along a little bit further. And so for me, even if it was just a hundred dollars, a couple of hundred dollars on those steps, the fact that we have the steps is important to me. The fact that we can get out of ABC land is important as well. Yes. Respect for your veteran experience teachers. Yes. So I thought that was a very significant gain. I mean, the reality is we have what I try to encourage people that I talk to to remember we have class size enforcement, yep. $35 million a year that we've never had before. Mm-hmm. And is it perfect? No, but we have a council that comes in, that can come in, and they're going to be the part of the enforcement mechanism, and it automatically will trigger at certain uh, numbers. All of those things are important because what it does, it gives you some recourse, and it gives right. our teachers and our students relief. And I just think that's important. PSRP pay. There were significant gains in PSRP pay. That's what makes this so special. I mean, the the gains alone, the base pay for PSRPs has gone up exponentially. That's significant. That's a significant win. Um, You know, 
Those are the types of things that when you look at it and you say, okay, well, I asked for this and they gave me that. It's not all of what I wanted, but it's way better than what they had originally, what they originally offered. You have to stop and evaluate. Okay. If I keep fighting, am I going to continue to get good land, good punches, or am I going to start getting beat up? That's true. And so we were out, we were on the 11th day on the 10th day, I believe. And Based on what we had going into that, uh, when we left the first House of Delegates meeting, and based on what they brought back saying, hey, we're not going to lose anything that we already have. Nothing's falling off the table. You know, they're not going to, well, I should say nothing is going to be taken back. We still have grading autonomy, and we still have all of our preps in the, the, the five uh, the four teacher directed preps in elementary, right. we did manage to keep that instead of losing one of right. those like the board originally wanted to take. And so then you start assessing those things and saying, OK, so now what we need to do is really evaluate mm-hmm. what we have and then look at what we can save for the next fight or for setting a stage for fighting, yep. because certain things. People, now that we're aware that it's a big issue, we need to build a campaign around it and really get people, our members, as well as our teachers, as well as our school communities and our parents to understand the importance of those things like prep time and and smaller class size, really building on that. And then we continue to fight. Yeah, I wanted to just say um, you had mentioned that number 200 million. Maybe we should have asked for that for class size. In fact, (laughs) that is what our original demand, Mm -hmm. the numbers um, ran out at 150 to 200 million a year. I just guessed and I was right. Amazing. (laughs) I know. How good is that? Are you a math teacher? That's crazy. No, not even. Um, Anyway, that, that shows you how bad the problem is inside of our schools. And that's driven by student-based budgeting. It's driven by school closures. It's driven by this idea that there's something called an underutilized school. (laughs) Um, So the fact is we, we couldn't win $200 million a year to address class size. And I don't think we're going to win that until we really take on the fight for progressive revenue in this Mm -hmm. state. We start making the rich pay their fair share of taxes and we capture some of that money back into the schools. We have enough wealth in this state and in this city to have world-class schools so that every school could be like the lab school. But we do not have that kind of funding coming in right now. We have made class size an issue. They can no longer say class size doesn't matter. We help to do that in this strike. That's really important that we've got, now we've got this precedent that's set that now we can discuss class size. And that's that's what we can take it to the next level. We do have the idea that teachers are willing to fight for prep time. Now we didn't get it this time, but as you said, we can bring this to the parents. We can bring it to the citizens of the city and tie that to the idea of progressive revenue, as you were mentioning. I think that's really important. Yes. And you all basically asked, answered my last question. Because I was going to ask you, because the tentative agreement um, to vote on this at the House of Delegates means it was so close. So 60-40. Mm-hmm. So re- relatively close. Mm-hmm. And so you still have some teachers who are saying, you know, when a tentative agreement comes out for us to ratify it, I'm going to still vote no. Um, because it's still like almost... I would say still some, you know, separation and some polarization. So how do we bring teachers together either to say, hey, let's vote yes to ratify 
or do we say vote no and let's go back out? What do, what do we do now? I think that the important thing for us to know and remember is look at the gains. Look at what we've gotten. We've gotten class size. We have staffing. Uh, there, we have pipelines for people to to be able to get into things like nursing and 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 the case management and counseling. Right. All those and there's money behind those pipelines. That's significant and that is important. And I think that people need to remember those types of things. We need to remember that these things that the board offered especially class size and staffing, they really have to negotiate with us on those types of things. And when we vote certain things like that down, then we risk them saying, well, you know what? We're going to pull this off the table. We're going to pull that off the table. And now the gains that we've had, we've lost Lost. over something that is a far more difficult reach, like a 30-minute prep in grammar school. I teach in an elementary school. I get it. It is significant. I miss it. I remember when we had it, it was Mm. beautiful. And I think we need it back. But we can't fight every battle. And we're not going to win every battle in the war. But the point is, is to win the war. That's true. And I think that we've won this war for this season anyway. And, <laughs> and we got sick day back. Sick yes, day um, we banking have, back. We can bank 244 sick That's days. Not, That's not too bad. Now, you can't cash them out, they are they go towards your pension. Your pension service credit, yes, which means that correct. you have 200 days sitting there. You can retire a year early. That's true. And buy that time back. Well, maybe so we'll finally get that. a sub in our buildings now. <laughs> That's true, yes. too. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there are a lot of gains in this contract. I, I've worked now um, in buildings, and this is on the north side, in fairly well-off school communities where parents helped fundraise and all the rest of it. And I've never had a social worker in a building do anything other than service IEP minutes. And often they were so pulled in so many different directions, they missed those minutes. And you know what social work minutes look like on a um, young child's IEP, a child who's been traumatized? It looks like 15 minutes a week that gets rolled into an hour. And if that child is sick that day- Too bad. No social work that month. That's terrible. And that is terrible. And it's not the social worker's fault. No. It's right. that there are too few social workers. The idea of having a social worker in um, almost every school in Chicago, we probably need three or four in a lot That's of true. neighborhoods. Yeah. But we're going to have at least one in almost every school by the end of this contract. We're going to have a nurse in every That's school every yeah. day. Yay. And that is going to be a huge yes, uh, benefit to teachers and of course to our students. So there are some real wins. And the fact is those wins were hard fought. The, yes. peop- the teachers so and much. families went out and fought for those on every one yes. of those things on the picket line. Yep. Um, and I think that that's why I end up, I'm going to end up voting yes on this contract. Oh yeah. I'm a definite yes. Okay. Definitely. Yes. yes. All right. All right. So I know one of the the last questions I've got for you is um, on special ed. What kind of changes or improvements were made to special ed time in in your mind on the, from the bargaining team perspective? Yeah, we got a historic number according to the special ed team. And we had a big special ed team on the bargaining committee Mm -hmm. who really, because they've seen so many cutbacks and so many attacks on special education, Mm -hmm. they brought their A game on the bargaining team and 
fought hard for every article and they said it's a historic number of articles. We have things that are in Illinois state law, which are now going to be in our contract. Why is that important? Why isn't the law enough? I don't know. Ask CPS. <laughs> They're now being um, overseen yeah, by the state the law be for sufficient. consistently violating the law. Right. So teachers and clinicians now have a way to use our contract to protect themselves when they're advocating for um, all of our uh, special needs students. So we did make some significant gains there. That's great. And I hope people really dive deep into reading through those articles. Not just special ed teachers, general education teachers need to mm-hmm. dive deep right. into those that's articles that's because it's yes. protection for us as well and for our for our kids. Well, thank you so much, um, Quentin and Kirsten, for coming to us yeah, and talking to us on this so podcast. Much. Thank you for your 16-hour days. Yes. Thank you for your sacrifice. And to the rest of the 40-plus member bargaining team, you are phenomenal, and we thank you. you. Awesome. We salute you. Yes, we do. You are definitely right here, our heroes of CPS teachers. And you got to come back again. Yes, to please talk do. With us. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank, Thank you, guys. guys. So thanks for joining us for another episode of CTU Speaks. And we had some great guests here. We did. What an awesome episode. It was awesome. And you could be next. You could. And there's lots of people who want to be on this. So make sure that you uh, tell your friends about it to sign up on any of their podcast platforms. I'm sure Bernie Sanders up one of our, our listeners now. I'm sure of this. He is. I'm definitely. Sure. And you can definitely call us. What's that number you can call us at? 312-467-8888. That's a lot of eights. It is. And you can also email us, ctuspeaks at ctulocal1.org. Let us know your ideas or issues or that you want to hear on our podcast. Until then. See you later.